Okay, we're beginning here on the Mishnah and then Dawid Amadalif. Uh the first half of today's daf really talks about a Mishnah that you would have liked to have seen earlier on in the Masechta. This basically goes through the <coughs> three fundamental parameters of a Nazir and what he's restricted in. Then the Gemara after this Mishnah actually works through what's uh, seemingly circular logic about each of these items and why they don't contain the other aspects of Nazirut. And then the Gemara says it can't because of a pasuk or a limud. What I think the Gemara is really after in this case is getting to the limudim or the understanding of what it is, these fun, three fundamental items that a Nazir is restricted in, what is it that they're restricted in and how do they work and how do they function. And they use this <coughs> seemingly circular logic to get to those conclusions. So at the end of the first Amud, we'll uh, go quickly over and do a summary of everything we've learned on the uh, on the first element. So now, starting the Mishnah, Shlosha Minim Asurim Benazir. There are three restrictions, or three fundamental <coughs> points that a Nazir accepts when he becomes an Edenazir. One is Hatumah, that he's restricted from becoming or coming into contact with the Tumay Mace. V'hit Gati Galachat, he's not allowed to get a haircut or have his hair cut. and he's restricted in any derivative of the grape. So now the mission is going to discuss, you know, what are the unusual characteristics of each aspect of this. Now, Chomer, Tuma, and the cutting of the hair have something that's unique to them that doesn't appear by things that are derivative of the grave. When it comes to Tuma and Tinglachas, they undermine the Nazirut. Meaning, if, if a Nazir becomes Tamei, then not only is he have to wait to become Tahor again, but the Pasuk says, that because of his Tumah, he loses out those days that he counts again, and he needs to restart his Nazirut. So that's true of Tumah, that is true of Tidglachat, but that is not true of one who violates the Nazirut by drinking wine or having consuming that which is derivative of the grape product, meaning that a Nazir who drinks wine does not lose any of his days of Nazirut. If he drank wine the whole time, even though he's violating a lav, his Nazirut still continues. We did have earlier in the Gemara, there was a Machlokas in the Tanayim, whether when you want to be matzah the nether, whether if he violated the nether, until that point when it comes to drinking of wine or eating or consuming grape products, whether he had to then wait the amount of time to keep the nether ahead there before we are matzah's nether. That's all a din or a kanat de rabonan. By meikar din, Right, the Nazir, when he drinks wine, does not undermine his Nazirut. There's a Chumra when it comes to Gefen, derivatives of the grape product, that are not apparent or do not appear by Tuma and Tiklachat. There are no exceptions. When it comes to the consumption of grape derivatives, there are no exceptions for the Nazir. He must keep that law, and there will be no <coughs> special dispensations during his Nizirut for that. Whereas that's not true. That's not true. By Tuma and Tiglachat, there are exceptions to the rule. What are those exceptions? When he cuts his hair for a mitzvah, what is cutting his hair for a mitzvah? So that we just had <coughs> earlier this week in the Dafim, which is what? A mitzvah, that is a Nazir, is permitted to do a Tiglachat mitzvah. So even though he's a Nazir, he still, we still allow him to cut his hair, because we learn out from the extraneous words of Rochelle and Zikano, that despite the fact that he's a Nazir, we still permit him to cut his hair. And Bitumat, which we had in yesterday's daf, what's the exception when it comes to Tumat? 
That is, Ubemeis Mitzvah, that the Nazir is restricted for coming to Mimeis, but we do have extraneous words when it comes to the Tumah. It says, by the Nazir, That sounds like he can't come to May to any mate. Then the, can, the next Pesach enumerates, Why did the Pesach need to enumerate those items if already said he can't touch any mates? Why did they have to then come and enumerate all these relatives that he may not touch or come into contact with? So the Gemara is going to learn, Later <coughs> in the will learn from each of those words an exception for the Nazir. But the major exception, which comes from Laviv Ulimo, in fact, that wrote Laviv Ulimo means that for his father and his mother, he may not become Tamei, but he may become Tamei for a mate mitzvah. So when it comes to Tumatiglachat, we do have exceptions. That means we suspend in his roots with regards to special situations. That special situation by Tuma is mate mitzvah. Special situation with regards to Tiglachat is a Tiglachat of mitzvah, that of a mitzvah. But by Gefin, we have no such dispensation. There is no exception to the rule that a Nazir may not consume grape derivatives. Now the Mishnah continues. That even with the undermining of the Nazirut, Tuma is a Chomer that Tiglachat doesn't have. When it comes to Tuma, when, it under, when a person comes to Mehmet, he undermines the entire Nazirut. When he loses all the days he counted until that point, he has to restart his Nazirut from the point of Tuma. In addition to that, there's a process called a Karban Tuma or Nazir Tamei. Nazir Tamei has a whole process to restart his Nizirut. Not only does he lose his uh, first days with Ayim Mirashoni Blue, but also he brings Karbanot in order to be Mitahir himself and to restart his Nizirut. That is not true of Tiglachat. Tiglachat ain't no Soterat Eloshloshim. Tiglachat only suspends or requires him to repeat 30 days worth of Nizirut. And ain't no Chayav Aleo Karban, ain't Chayav Aleo Karban. There's no requirement to bring your Karban. If he undermines Nizirut, if he suspends Nizirut because of his hair being cut, that also does not land him in a requirement of bringing carbon note. So now, we're going to go through the Gemara now. Betuma, lo tutar mechlala. Betuma should not have any exceptions. Kavachomer miyayin, we can learn that out from wine. Umayayin she'enu soter. Just like wine does not undermine the Nizirut, lo hutar mechlala. It has no exceptions. Tuma is so terrorist. Tuma, which has a chumrah by it, that it does undermine the zeros. Ain't no dinch lo tutar mechalah. It certainly should not, what, have any exceptions. Tam logmar, we have a specific puzzle to teach us. So even though logically it would say that by Tuma we should be machmir and not have any exceptions, nevertheless, we have the puzzle, la bibli molo itama. La bibli molo itama, abal mitamehu, the mate mitzvah. He may not become Tamei to his father or his mother, but he can become Tamei to a mate mitzvah. So that is the Xerath Akasa that the Nazir is permitted to become Tamei to a mate mitzvah. The Yayin, Yutar Michalach, So let's say the opposite. Wine or derivatives of the grape product should be have exceptions. Kavachomer mituma, we claim that out logically from Tuma. Uma Tuma, he's so terrorist, just like Tuma undermines the Zirut, Hutar Michalach, and nevertheless has exceptions. Yayin Shainu Soter, Yayin that does not have the power to undermine the Zirut, Eno Din Shiyutar Michalos, certainly it should have exceptions to the rule. So Amar Kura, Miyayin Mishaycha Yazir, we have a specific pasuk that says, Miyayin Mishaycha Yazir, at the beginning of the Parshas of Nazir, it says, Miyayin Mishaycha Yazir, Chomitzayim, 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 Anavim, Loishtev, Anavim, Lachim, Veshim, Loyochel. The pasuk goes on to enumerate all the items that he's restricted in the Nazir. So what is this? Uh, beginning statement is called the beginning, Miyayim Yazir. So the Gemara says, we lose that Miyayim Yazir to teach us that just 
like Yain Rashut, is restricted, just like a Nazir is restricted from consuming uh, wine at his discretion, so too, even if he's commanded to, even if he has a mitzvah to consume wine, he still may not consume it. So that's <coughs> why we have, by Yayin, there are no exceptions to rules. So even though logically, from Tumah, we, we would have learned out there's an exception to rule, nevertheless, we have a post that specifically states that wine has no exceptions. The question here is, what is Yayin Shal Mitzvah? When do you have wine that is a mitzvah? So the simple interpretation, and that's brought down by the Tosfot and the other Rishonim here, is the Ayin Shal Mitzvah is a case where the person takes a Shvua. The person takes a Shvua to drink wine. So now he has a positive uh, commandment to drink wine because he took a Shvua to drink. So in order to fulfill his Shvua, he must drink wine. After that, he takes a Neda Nizirut. He takes a Neda Nizirut. Neda Nizirut requires him to refrain from consuming wine or from consuming uh, great products. So if that's the case... Right, which trumps here? He has a mitzvah because of the shvua to, <coughs> excuse me, drink wine. Yet he has an ezirut, which is preventing him. And that's what the pasuk says: "Lesor yain mitzvah ki yain rishus." Just like he is restricted from consuming grape derivatives or yain when it comes to optional items, so too by when he has a mitzvah, even if he has a shvua, which would compel him to drink wine. Nevertheless, when he takes an ezirut, that blocks him or stops him from being able to drink the wine. And that is what it means, Yain Mitzvah Yain Rishus. Now, as opposed to that, the Meforish here continues along the line of the tremendous Chiddush that he said on Gimel Amud Beis. If you remember earlier in the Masech on Gimel Amud Beis, the Gemara over there has this same question. The Gemara has, Yain Mitzvah Yain Rishus. Yain Mishachar comes to teach you that Yain Mitzvah Yain Rishus is restricted. Over there, the Gemara says, Mighty, what is the Yain Mitzvah? So the Gemara over there answers Kiddusha Ve'avdalta. That's the wine of Kiddush and Havdalah. So the simple way to read the Gemara is what? Minatora. A person is required to drink wine <coughs> for Kiddush and Havdalah. And how could a person take a Nedanizirut? Right? That Nedanizirut is going to be less or Yain Mitzvah Kiyain Rishut. That he will be restricted from consuming wine even for the wine of a mitzvah. What mitzvah is that? That's the mitzvah of Kiddush Havdalah. So the Mepharish there on Gimon Beis and Daladam Al says, well, you see from here that Kiddush Alayayin and Abdallah Alayayin are a mitzvot deoraisa, mitzvot from the Torah. And he quotes the Limud in the Gemara B'Sachim and Kukvav that says, Zachor Atim HaShabbat HaKodesho, Zachreyu Al Hayayin, that you should remember it, you should mikadishit on the wine. <coughs> Any, <coughs> excuse me. Anyway, I'll be Knisoto, that's only when Kiddush, be Yitzitato, Minayin, how do I know when it goes out also? The Gemara brings the Limud that both for Kiddush and Abdullah in the Gemara B'Sochim, that remembering it on the wine is a din, is a Limud from the Pasuk, and here the Mepharish says that is a Limud Doraisa to teach you that Kiddush and Abdullah in the wine are Dinim Doraisa. And nevertheless, we have the Pasuk of Yayim Veshechar, right? That the restriction is Yayim Veshechar Yazir. That teaches you just like Yayin Rishut is restricted, so is Yayin Mitzvah. Then the Gemara says, Oh, how could that be? Hello, right? Hello, Are Mushbavoin, Allah Mehar Sinai. How can the Nazir come and undermine something that he's commanded Minatora to do? He already had a Shavua in place that he can't undermine. So how could it be <coughs> that he comes along and is Chal on that Shavua? So you see from this that the Mephorish believes that drinking wine for Kiddush Abdullah is Deoraisa. Other Rishonim, 99% of all Rishonim believe that the, uh, drinking wine for Kiddush 
is only a din de Rabbanon, whether Kiddush is the right or or even Kiddush is the Rabbanon, but almost everybody agrees that Kiddush Aliyayin is not the right And if they believe, <coughs> one day in Tosfos with some Sogham, says, even if Kiddush is the right the Shtiyat Aliyayin, the drink of the wine, is certainly not the right that's only de Rabbanon. So if they think that it's Kiddush and Abdullah are only de Rabbanon, how do they explain the Gemara on Dachimon Beis and Dachimon that's based on the Rabbeinu Tam. The Rabbeinu Tam says the Gemara is saying Bitmiya is a question. Meaning, the Gemara says, let our Yain Mitzvah ke Yain to restrict the Yain and Mitzvah like you restrict the Yain and Rishus. Right? Then the Gemara says, what's Yain Mitzvah? The Gemara says, Kiddush Vavdallah. That's Yain Mitzvah. So then the Gemara says, Hare Mushvah Mitzvah Mitzvah Harsinai. The way the Mepharish learned Hare Mushvah Mitzvah Harsinai means, yes, Kiddush Vavdallah Mitzvah Torah. How can the Nizirus come and undermine that? The Rabbeinu Tam says, no, that's a question. That's a <coughs> bitmia. How could it be that you need a pasuk to restrict Kiddush and Havdalah wine? Harimushpa of Omer Alam Harsinai? Is that a commandment of Torah? Drinking wine with Kiddush Havdalah Omer Alam So why would you need a pasuk in Torah to teach you that what? That Kiddush Havdalah is mutar for the, or restricted for the Nazir. It's not even a Torah law that he has to drink wine. That's the way the Rabbinu Tam learns it and that's the way the most of Rishonim following the Rabbinu Tam Klimut learns the Sukya. So over here in the Gemara, they have to learn that Lesar Yain Mitzvah Kiyayin Rishus is <coughs> not Kiddush Abdullah, but the case of Shua, where he took a Shua. The Mepharish, on the other hand here, compounds his Kiddush that he has on Da'af 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 and says over here that a Nazir is actually permitted to drink wine for Kiddush and Abdullah. A full-fledged Nazir, even if he took his Nidrizirah, would be permitted to drink wine every Friday night and every Modushe Shabbos because Kiddush and Abdullah are Minat Torah. Uh-oh, if that's the case, according to the Mephoresh, then we do have Hutar Miklalo. We do have an exception by Nazir. The exception by Nazir is Kiddush and Havdalah. So the Mephoresh says, no, that's not an exception. When do you call something an exception? An exception to the rule is <clears throat> when at the moment you take the Nizirut, the rule applies, and then we suspend the rule some way along during the Nizirut to deal with the situation, to be mitzmodeid with what is in front of us. That's true by Tumas Mace. The Nazir is restricted in Tumas Mace. Then all of a sudden he's confronted with a Mace Mitzvah. We suspend his Nazirut, or we suspend the restriction from him there to deal with the Mace Mitzvah. Same thing with the Mitzvah. A Nazir in general cannot cut his hair. If he is then faced with the problem of being a Nazir, or, or being a Mitzvah during his Nazirut, then he has permission to cut his hair. But that's not true of Kiddush and Abdullah. Kiddush and Abdullah, according to the Mitzvah, were never restricted. They were never included other than their Nazirut. They're not an exception to the rule. They're never included in the rule. And that's what the Mephoris explains. Kiddush and Abdullah were never incorporated under the Din of Nazir, and therefore they're not Hutar Mechalan. They're not exceptions to the rule. An exception to the rule means that the rule applies, you're not allowed to drink wine, and then you're faced with a situation which allows you to drink wine despite the Isur. Here there is no Isur at all. So I just wanted to point this out. Again, this Mephoris is a very large Kiddush and and here he compounds his Kiddush and says that a Nazir is permitted to drink wine for Kiddush and Havdalah. And not only that, that's not considered Hutar Michalan. I will just point out as a sidebar here that is a question in general whether Havdalah is part of the Dine Shabbos or is an independent Din. Over here you see that <coughs> clearly the Mephoresh believes that Kiddush and Havdalah, whose source is from Zachor Yom HaShabbat Sakot Show, Yain believes that Kiddush and Havdalah are a part of Shabbos. That has major nafkaminos because 
of the women says women are chayavot in mitzvah of Shabbat. So if it comes that the mitzvah is part of the mitzvah of Shabbat, the woman would be equally chayav in Abdullah. If Abdullah is a separate mitzvah independent of Shabbat, meaning a requirement to, to differentiate between chol and kodesh, Marm Chulin has a different source for Abdullah, possibly the Abdulman of Ben Akodesh or Ben Achol from Pashat Shmini. So that is an independent din. Women may not be chayavot in Chavdalah, which presents a problem whether women can make Chavdalah for a man or whether they can make Chavdalah for themselves. The discussion in the Ramal quotes the or quotes Chaim. But from here it's clear. The other time it comes up is by the nine days, by Tishabav. During the nine days when you make Chavdalah after Shabbos, are you allowed to drink the wine from Chavdalah? By the wine of Kiddush, we clearly permit you to drink wine because we don't have any restriction against wine or Abelus on Shabbos. So therefore you can drink the wine for Kiddush. But can you drink the wine of Abdullah? Well, that depends. If Abdullah is a part of Din and Shabbos, then certainly you could drink the wine for Abdullah. But if Abdullah is something a separate entity or is independent of Shabbos, then you can't drink the wine. So because of that, we have that problem. During the nine days, we do not drink the wine of Abdullah. We're choshesh for this problem. And therefore, we either give the wine to a katan, or according to the Rechashochem, we use beer, we use Chemar Medina to make Havdalah. But according to the Smefarish, it's clear that Havdalah is a part of the Dinei Shabbos. Alright, here we continue in our Gemara now. The Yain Yisteret HaKol. Yain should undermine the Nezirut Kavachomer Mituma. We come from Tumor. Ma Tuma Shehutra Tuma, which has an exception, has this Chumra, so Teret HaKol undermines the Nezirut. Yain Shlohutra Mechla. Yain, which has no exceptions, low kosher game, certainly she is store. Certainly that it should go ahead and undermine Nezirut. Amar Kra, by Yamim Arishoni Pulu, the post explicitly says, when do you undermine the Zerot? That's Kitamein Nizrot. That's when it references to Tumah. Tumah Soteret Ben Ayayin Soteret. The post explicitly says, when is Nizrot undermined? When are Yamim Arishoni Pulu? That's only Kitamein Nizrot, when you have Tumah. Tumah undermines and not Yayin. So Mara says, Vatiglachat Tistoretakol Kavachomimi Tumah. Right? So Tiglachat, cutting your hair should undermine the entire Nizrot, not just 30 days, Kavachomimi Tumah. By Tumah, we're going to see this derivative in the Pasuk in a second. By Tumah, the only restriction is that the Nazir himself becomes Tameh or makes himself Tameh. For that, he gets Malchus. But if a third party, if another person makes the Nazir Tameh, right, that when the Nazir is acting in a passive form, there is no Malchus. So Teret And nevertheless, Tumah undermines the entire Nazirut. Tiglachat, by Tiglachat, Shasu Bamigaleach, Kimit Galeach. By cutting one's hair, by cutting the Nazir's hair, not only is the Nazir himself restricted in getting his hair cut, but if someone else cuts the Nazir's hair, he is restricted. There's a lav. Ain't Odin should distort, then certainly by Tiglachat you should undermine the whole Nazirut. That's a call. Amar Kuro, we have the same puzzle that we saw by Yain, by Yamim Arishonim Yiplu. When are the days of the Nazirut undermined? That is Kitame Nizro, when you have Tuma. Tuma undermines, but Yain does not, and neither does Tiglachat. Now, Tuma undermines the entire mouth, but Tiglachat does not. So Mar says, the Tuma, Naseba Mitameh, Mitameh. Why don't we draw equivalence between the Nazir himself, making himself Tameh, and someone else making the Nazir Tameh? Kavachom Ritiglachat. We can learn that out from cutting one's hair. Right? <coughs> when Tiglachat, uh, when you undermine the Nizirut for Tiglachat, it's only a 30-day undermining. There's an equivalence between the active and passive form of the Yiluach, both if the Nazir cuts his own hair or a third party cuts the Nazir's hair. Both of them are restricted, have a love. Too much, he's still terrified of the cold. Too much has a much more stringent undermining of Nizirut, meaning it undermines the entire Nizirut. 
certainly in that case, right, the Tuma should have an equivalence between the active and passive form. Both the Nazir was Metameh himself, or another person who makes the Nazir Tameh should both have a love. Amakro Metameh Rosh Nizro. The puzzle says, Metameh Rosh Nizro. The Metameh Rosh Nizro. Only one, only the Nazir himself came in Metameh Rosh Nizro. So why, where do we learn that from this puzzle? So by Metameh Rosh Nizro, there the implied subject of the sentence is Behu. Because it's Metameh. And who are we referring to? Or Vitimei. I'm sorry, Vitimei Rosh Nizro. Who are we talking about? We're talking about the Nazir there. And it says the Nazir, Vitimei Rosh Nizro. So the object of the action of Timei is Rosh Nizro, but it's also the Nazir, or the Nazir, is also the subject of Vitimei Rosh Nizro. So who can be, who's the only one who can violate the Nazir, or violate the Easter of Tumah? That is Vitimei Rosh Nizro, the Nazir who's Mitamei his own head, and Vitimei Rosh Nizro. That's where the Rosh learns the uh, Mefarish points out that it should have said if you wanted to include other people in being restricted from your Tamei, the, 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 the Nazir should say Vitimei Lo Rosh Nizro. Right, that would imply that there's an additional so Vitimei Lo means anyone who's Mitamei Rosh Nizro, which is the object of the verb. Instead of it being both the subject and object being the Nazir, you could have changed the subject. Since you didn't, it's only the Nazir himself who can be Mitamei himself, not any other third party. Now the Gemara continues. Let's say that the active and passive form of Giluach should not generate a laugh. I mean, both that why should it be that someone who cuts Nazir's hair is always restricted? Tuma, which has the chumra that it undermines everything. Over there, only the Nazir himself is chayav for making himself tamei, but not a third party. Where it has a kula that it only undermines for 30 days. Certainly, we shouldn't. We are equivalent between the active and passive form of giluach. Amar The pasuk says, "Tar lo yavor al rosho." So it says, "Tar lo yavor." So kari be lo yavor who, but lo yavor acher. Right? That or yavor le acher. That neither the nazir nor anyone else can do it. I mean, the fact that the pasuk went out with "Tar lo yavor." Tarlo Yavor is an implied subject of anyone. No one may take Tarlo Yavor. That they, the object of what he's cutting is Al Rosho, on his head. But the subject could be Tarlo Yavor. Tarlo Yavor does not define who is Tarlo Yavor. Doesn't it could be either him or someone else? And since it could be either party, the Pulsar teaches us that no matter who cuts the Nazir's hair, there's a restriction of Tarlo Yavor Al Rosho. So it says, "Tarli Rikari be lo yavor hu lo yavor le yacher." So now the Gemara says, "Tiglacha lo tudar michlala kavachomer miyayin." So maybe tiglacha cutting one's hair should have no exceptions. We can learn that out from wine. My ancient soter wine, which does not undermine the zirut lo hu tar michlala has no exceptions. Tiglacha, which has the chomer that it's soter, and odinch lo tudar michlala certainly it should have no exceptions to the rule. Amar Achmano, so the pasuk says, "By mitzora rosho gamar Achmano zikano." So depending on whether it's Rabbi or the other Tanoim over there that learn, but they use the extraneous words Rosho and Kano by Mitzorah to teach you that a Mitzorah who is a Nazir is permitted to cut his hair despite the fact that a Nazir is restricted from removing his hair. So if it's specifically mode from the Pesukim to teach us that So maybe Teglacha, let's learn the other way. Maybe Teglacha should not undermine at all from Yayin. My Yayin Shlohutar Mechlalo Wine, which has no exceptions, ain't no so there. 
So it's not undermined at all. Tiglacha, Chihutra, Michala, Tiglacha, that has exceptions. Enu Dinshlo, Tisar, maybe it should not undermine at all. So Gemara says, Binun Gezel, Sezar, Valeka, you know what? You're right. It's true that cutting one's hair does not undermine the Nizirut. Ah, we have a separate problem. What? That there's a requirement of a Nazir. Kadosh, Iye, Gadal, Peres, Sarusho. He has to grow his hair out. And the minimum time to grow a hair out, to have a Tiglacha to the end, is 30 days. So it's not that he undermines in his ego. He has a technical problem when he gets his hair cut. That means that he doesn't have a gadol peret. He hasn't grown his hair out. And be inim gidol seyar veleka. He needs 30 days for his seyar to grow out. And that he is lacking. So Gemara says, what about the other way? Viyayin yistor sloshim yom. Maybe wine should undermine for 30 days. Kavachom etiglachas. We can learn how to tiglachas. Ma tiglachas yotra mecholah. which has an exception, soteret, still undermines for 30 days. Yayin says, it's a chomrash loter mecholah. That is never have any exception. Ain't no dinch in store, right? Certainly, it should undermine for thirty days. Gemara says, "Midu timeo." What's the whole reasoning? You have to wait thirty days by a nazir when he cuts his hair, not because he undermines the nazirut. Elvishum gidol seir, because he has to grow his hair out. Kavayin had kaim saro. When he drinks wine, he hasn't changed the status of his hair. His hair is still the same length; it's grown out. Meaning that the problem by nazirut, the undermining of the nazirut by tiglacha, is not core to the nazirut. It's a technical problem that he needs hair that's long enough, and he doesn't have that hair. So when it comes to Yayin, he hasn't affected his hair. There's no, nothing that he's doing that's undermining technically his Nizirut or causing a technical problem in Nizirut, and therefore it would not be so there. Now quickly we'll go in summary and go through what we learn. We learn out three things by Tumah from this Gemara. What do we know about Tumah? Number one is what? That Tumah is so there at Hakol and nothing else. The only thing that undermines the entire Nizirut is when he becomes, and Nizirut becomes Tamei the Tamei Mate. That comes from the Potsuk by Yami Marishonim Yiplu Kitamei Nizro. So that we know by Tuma. The number second thing we learned by Tuma is what? That uh, the exception to the rule of Tuma is Mace Mitzvah. That we learn out from the Potsuk of La Vivalima. His father and mother is not Mitame, Avari is Mitame, the Mace Mitzvah. So that's the exception to the rule of Tuma. The third thing we learn out by Tuma is that the only love that comes up from being Mitame the Nazir is that the Nazir is Mitame himself, and not of a third party is Mitame the Nazir. And we learn that out from the Potsuk of Vitime Rosh Nizro. That it's he who is Mitamei Rosh Nizro and no one else that is Mitamei Rosh Nizro. So those are the three things that we learned out from Sukkim from Tumah. Now what are the three things we learn out by Tiglachat? Number one, we learn out by Tiglachat that if you have his hair cut, he undermines his Yerut for 30 days. That is not a problem in his Yerut, but a technical problem that he needs Gidl Seyar. He needs his hair to be long enough to cut at the end, and Gidl Seyar is a minimum of 30 days. So when his hair is cut, he has a t- problem that he needs Gidl Seyar, and since he can't rectify that except by waiting 30 days, he must wait 30 days in order to rectify that problem. Number two, we learned out by Tiglacha that there's an exception. What's the exception by Tiglacha? That is Mitzorah. The Mitzorah, even though a Nazir is restricted from cutting his hair, the exception is that Mitzorah for Tiglacha Mitzvah may cut his hair. And what is, where do we know that from? We learned that from the extra words of Rosho and Gano that are found in the Pesukim by Mitzorah. And the third thing we know about Giluach is that the Migaleach commits Galeach. That both the active and passive form of Yiluach of the Nazir generate a lav. So both if the Nazir himself cuts his hair or if a third party cuts his hair, both of them are restricted by the lav. That we know from the Pesach of Tar lo yavor al rosho. That Tar lo yavor means he or anyone else may not cut his hair. <coughs> but <coughs> And therefore they both generate chiuve lavim. And the last thing we have by Geffen... By Geffen, we know two things. Two didn't we learn by Geffen. Number one, by Geffen, we know that there is no exceptions to the rule by Geffen. Why are there no exceptions to the rule by Geffen? 
exception rule by Geffen because they have the potsuk of Miyayin Vesheikhar right, Yazir. Since those extra words of Yayin Vesheikhar Yazir comes to teach us, let's sort Yayin Mitzvah, Yayin Rishus. Even the face of a mitzvah, the Nizirut still stands and will undermine the mitzvah or, or block the mitzvah. And since that's the case, there are no exceptions by Yayin. So we know that from the Pesach. The other thing we know by Yayin is that Yayin does not undermine the Nizirut. It does not undermine the Nizirut because either Tuma is the only thing that undermines the Nizirut. Or number two, the undermining by Tiglachat is a unique circumstance that deals with a technical problem growing hair. That technical problem does not arise when it comes to Yayin. Alright, so those are the Limudim that the Gemara got, those are the Pesukim they used. Gemara used a quasi-circular logic to get to each of these. He says, well, if we didn't have the Pesuk, we would have learned this. So we do have the Pesuk, therefore we know this. Once we know this, let's see, maybe we can learn the opposite. And each time they bring down a Pesuk to show what the Limud is. Alright, now, turning the uh, Amud, we're turning the Daf, we're starting the second Amud. Now, the second Amud is a <coughs> it's a difficult Gemara. We're going to go through a couple of stages here in the Gemara, and I will give a number of introductions to this part of the of this part of the Gemara. <coughs> the first introduction I'll say <coughs> is that there's a general understanding in Tuma. When somebody comes to Hor from Tuma, how do they become to Hor from Tuma? So the simplest form of Tuma is what's called Tumat Erev. Tumat Erev is when someone becomes Tamei for a single day. That's when someone who came into contact with the Sheretz, a Balkari. Right, these are times of forms of simple form of Tumah, which make you Tameh for the day, and then at the end of that day, you become Tohar. What's the process by which you become Tohar? Well, the process starts like this. You go on the day that you are Tameh, on that day you go to the mikvah. Once you've gone to the mikvah, you're what's called a Tavul Yom. You've now completed the mikvah process, but you have to wait until Herem Shemesh, until the sun sets to be completely Tohar. So you're in this limbo says where you've gone to the mikvah, but the sun has not set. That status is called Tful Yom. Tful Yom is a slightly lesser form of Tumah than a full-fledged Tumah. Why? Because a Tful Yom is permitted to partake in Maitrot. A Tful Yom is only a Sheni Latuma. And Maitrot are the equivalent of Chulin. And since after Sheni Latuma there is no Tumah, the Maitrot are permitted to him. What is a Tful Yom restricted in? He may not partake of Truma and Kodshim. Since Truma and Kodshim have a Shlishi and Kodshim has a revealed Tumah, so therefore a Tful Yom would be a Mitamei, the Truma. And Kachim, so Tvul Yom is restricted in consuming Truma and Kachim. Once the day ends, once there's Hereb Shemesh, once the sun sets on that day, this is the first Mishnah in Brachos, once the sun sets, then you are permitted to partake of Tumar. Cohen is permitted to take of Truma, because now he is Tamor, Tahor the Gamar, he's totally Tahor. And not only is he allowed to partake in Truma, he's also allowed to partake in Kachim. That's the simplest form of Tumah. Then we have more extensive forms of Tumah. For instance, seven-day Tumah. Seven-day Tumah comes up, for instance, in a Zav that has two emissions, that sees two emissions, or Zavnos Tamei Meis. Both of them have a requirement and or are Tamei for seven days. Then when they get to their seventh day, the seventh day acts like the equivalent of what's called Tumah Terev. Like the, that one-day Tumah, that equivalent of that one-day Tumah happens on the seventh day of these extended Tumah. So therefore, on the seventh day, a Tamei Meis goes to the mikvah, and so does a Zav who had two emissions. They go to the mikvah on the seventh day. Once they've got to the mikvah on the seventh day, they are now a Tvulyon. They're Tvulyon. They can partake in Ma'asrot, but they can't partake in anything else. Truma and Kochim. Then, when the sun sets on the seventh day, they become Tahor Lagamre. They become completely Tahor. Once they are completely Tahor, they then may become partake in Truma and Kochim. That's the second form of Tumah. Now there is a even 
stringent, or more stringent form of Tumah, which is Tumah that not only requires you to go to the Mikvah, but also, or wait seven days, but also requires you to bring Karbanot on the eighth day. For instance, a Mitzorah, a Zav that had three emissions, or a Zava Gidola, right? A, <coughs> a Zava Gidola, a woman who had emissions over a extended period of time, three days straight, but you made Ziva. So all of these not only require seven days of Tumah, to go to the mikvah on the seventh day, then have the sun set on the seventh day, but they also must bring their karbanot on the eighth day. So now, how does this function for them, or what are the restrictions for them? So on the seventh day, each of these will go to the mikvah. When they go to the mikvah, they are at bouillon. That permits them to partake in masrot. On the night of the seventh day, the sun sets, that's called hereb shemesh. When the sun sets for this zav, or three emissions, or this mitzorah, or this zav gedolah, they then become permitted to consume truma because now they've reduced their truma, but they are still lacking something. What is that? They're lacking in bringing their karbanot. The lack of bringing their karbanot restricts them from both consuming kodshim or entering the migdash until they bring their karbanot. They are what's called mechusere kapara. So even after the sun is set on the seventh day, and for other tumot, if they didn't have a karban, that would permit them both to enter the migdash and consume kodshim as well as truma. For someone who is required to bring a karban or karbanot on the eighth day, not only are they restricted, not when the sun sets on the seventh day, they're only permitted to consume truma. They are not permitted to enter the mikdash to consume kodshim until they brought their karbanot on the eighth day. All right. So now we'll start the mishnah, and once we get through the mishnah, we'll go through another series of uh, introductions to understand better the mishnah. Tiglacha tuma. Now we know by a Nazir, if a Nazir becomes Tamei, there's a process by which he must go through to restart his, his Tiglacha, restart his, <coughs> his counting of the Nazirut. Why? A, a Nazir who became Tamei, not only is he undermined his Nazirut, but he's also Tamei mate. He must be Mithar himself like any other Tamei mate. How's the process for any other person who is Mithar themselves from Tamei mate? They get the ashes of the waters of this paraduma sprinkled on them on the third day and on the seventh day and then they go to the mikvah on the seventh day but the nazir has an additional things what's that he gets the sprinkling of the paraduma on the third and seventh day the nazir has an additional requirement to go get his hair cut on the seventh day and that comes from the postdoc it says he must cut his hair on the day of Tara, on the seventh day of his Tara process, he must cut his hair. Then, he brings his carbonate on the eighth day, which is the beginning of the next process. The next process says, he goes through the carbonate, he must bring to the Mikdash on the eighth day. So here, for a Nazir Tamei to go through the process, he must get sprinkled on on the third and seventh day, go to the mikvah to be Mithar himself from the Tumas Ames. Then the additional requirements of a Nazir is that he cuts his hair on the seventh day, he gets a shaves his head on the seventh day, and that he brings his carbonos on the eighth day. Vim Gilach Bishmini. What happens if he didn't cut his hair on the seventh day, but he did cut his hair on the eighth day? I mean, he did the sprinkling on the third day and the seventh day, and he went to the mikvah, he did everything right. He just didn't cut his hair on the seventh day like required. If he cuts his hair on the eighth day, maybe he does not need to wait an additional day. does not need to wait an additional day in order to bring his carbonos. That's the position of Rabbi Akiva. Now, Amalei Rabbi Tarfon. What's the difference between a Nazir and a Mitzorah? 
<coughs> that's no problem. I can explain to you the difference between a Nazir and Mitzorah. A Nazir, Zetara Totsvuyabimayamav. A Nazir to become Tamei needs to get through the days. Meaning that he's a Tamei mate. And the reason that he needs to clear, what he needs to clear in order to bring his carbonate is that he needs to become Tahor. Becoming Tahor is a matter of days, not a matter of any action he has to take. But when it comes to Mitzorah, the way it's Tahor comes Tahor, he has to cut his hair, he has to shave his hair. Then he may be carbon in Shemesh, and he cannot bring a carbon unless the sun has set on him. Alright, so I just read through this mission and the question of Rabbi Tarpon. The question of Rabbi Tarfon and what Rabbi Akiva answers him happens to be a subject of Machlokas Rishonim here. So what I'm going to do first is I'm going to explain the common denominators between these Rishonim, what they all agree about, and then we'll discuss what they differ about, and from that we'll understand what the question of Rabbi Tarfon to Rabbi Akiva is, and what Rabbi Akiva's answer is. So let's start with the common ground is. Everybody agrees <coughs> that at Nazir has two overlapping processes that are taking place here. The Nazir first of all, is Tamei Mates. And because he's a Tamei Mates, even if he wasn't a Nazir, he'd have to get sprinkled on himself on the third day, and the seventh day, <coughs> and then he would have to go to the Mikvah on the seventh day. Because what does a Tamei Mates need? A Tamei Mates needs the sprinkling of the Parduma, and he also needs Mikvah with Herab Shemesh. On the seventh day, he needs to go to the Mikvah, then he needs to <coughs> go have the sunset, and then he would be Tahor. Now, a Nazir has additional requirements on top of a normal Tamei mate, which is that he must shave his head on the seventh day, and he must also bring his carbonate on the eighth day. So now, what everybody agrees on is that if the Nazir right, goes ahead <coughs> and does not go to the mikvah on the seventh day, what happens if the Nazir goes to the mikvah on the eighth day? Right? If he goes to the mikvah on the eighth day, what would happen? So we know, what, that's the last line in the mission, we know that a Nazir, in order to become Tahor, a regular Tamei Tame Mates to become Tahor, must not only get his sprinkled on the third and seventh day by the Paraduma, he must go to the Mikvah and have the sun set on him to be a Herod Shemesh in order to bring his carbonate. So everybody agrees that a Nazir who went to the Mikvah on the seventh day, and then <coughs> is now Tahor, he's Tahor when it comes to the end of the day because the sun set on the seventh day, he can bring his carbonate on the eighth day. Whereas a Nazir, who became uh, Tamei, and then Tamei Mace, and then didn't go to the Mikvah on the seventh day, he waited to go to the Mikvah on the eighth day. When he goes to the Mikvah on the eighth day, he cannot bring his Karbanot on the eighth day. He now must wait to the ninth day to bring his Karbanot. Why? Because he needs to go to the Mikvah, and then he needs Herod Shemesh. He needs the sun to set on him. And since he went to the Mikvah on the eighth day, he doesn't have any sunset to help him. That sunset will only come at the end of the eighth day. Therefore, you will only be permitted to bring his carbonos then on the ninth day. And that's what the last line in the Mishnah means. Edom edi carbonos ken hoya murav shemesh. He can only bring his carbonos when he is murav shemesh. That is by a nazir. Now, when it comes to mitzorah, we have to read what's the process of tarat ha mitzorah. When it comes to being mitzahir the mitzorah, on the first day of being mitzahir the mitzorah, he brings the two birds. And then he takes one of the birds, shafts them over the Maim Chaim, and then he takes the water with the hyssop and wrapped up in Tlachani, and he sprinkles it on the Mitzorah. Then they let the other bird go free. After they let the other bird go free, and they be Zashabopanim, what do they do? Because Abigilachat Kosaro, he has to take shape all of his head on that day, that first day. He goes to the mikvah, Vitaher, and then he'll be After that first day, he comes back into the Machanet, and then, he has to wait an additional seven days of the Mitzorah. 
Vayah b'yom hashvi galach et kol se'arov et rashu. On the seventh day, he must cut all of his hair. Vetskano vetkabotina vetkosar yigalach vechibesit begadav rechatz b'tzro b'maimet hair. He must now again go to the mikveh after he cuts his hair on the eighth day. He must now go to the mikveh again, and then b'yom hashmini he brings all his karbanot. Now this happens to be a machlokes the miforish and the Tosus and rosh. How to understand what's the position of a mitzora? Now mitzora, <coughs> who went, who did his process properly, and if he did his process, process properly, he would have shaved his head on the first day, gone to the mikvah, shaved his head on the seventh day, gone to the mikvah again, had hair of shemesh, had the sun set on the seventh day, and then on the eighth day he would bring his karbanot. The question now is, what happens if a mitzora? <coughs> it doesn't go to the mikvah on the seventh day. Now, why can't the mitzvah go to the mikvah on the seventh day? It's a possibility if the mitzvah didn't cut his hair on the seventh day. A mitzvah, in order to go to the mikvah, that's clearly laid out in the pesukim, must first cut his hair on the seventh day and then go to the mikvah. So now, what happens if the mitzvah, for some reason, didn't cut his hair on the seventh day but only cuts his hair on the eighth day? If he only cuts his hair on the eighth day, then he can only go to the mikvah on the eighth day. If he can only go to the mikvah on the eighth day, then what? So we're going to learn like Rashi and Tosos first. If he didn't go to the mikvah on the eighth day, then what would he do? Like by Nazir, he'll need Herab Shemesh. He'll need to wait for the sun to set, and therefore he will only allowed, be allowed to bring his carbonate on the ninth day. So now, based on this, we can understand the question of Rabbi Tarfon to Rabbi Akiva. What did Rabbi Akiva posit? Rabbi Akiva said that when it comes to a Nazir, if he did not cut his hair on the seventh day, Right? He can cut his hair on the eighth day and bring his karbanot on that eighth day itself. Whereas by a mitzora, what do you see by a mitzora? By a mitzora, if he does not cut his hair on the seventh day and cuts his hair on the eighth day, he cannot bring his karbanot on the eighth day. He must bring his karbanot on the ninth day. So how come by a nazir, is it when he misses his giluach, right? Then he can bring his karbanot on the <coughs> eighth day, bobayom, when he cuts his hair on the eighth day. And yet a mitzora, when he cuts his, misses the cutting the hair on the seventh day and cuts his hair on the eighth day, he cannot bring his carbonoid until the ninth day. That's the question of Rabbi Tarpon to Rabbi Akiva. And what is Rabbi Akiva's response? Rabbi Akiva's response is that the mikvah for a nazir is different than the mikvah for a mitzora. Why does a nazir go to the mikvah? Nazir goes to a mikvah not because he's a nazir, but because he's tamay mace. And when does the Tamei Meis go to the mikvah? He goes to the mikvah on the seventh day. That's independent of his igulach, independent of his cutting his hair. That's because it's totally biyamim. It's totally in the days. He just needs to complete the seven days that were normal Tamei Meis has to get, and he goes to the mikvah and he's tahor. Therefore, when he went to the mikvah on the seventh day, he's now tahor. When he missed his igulach on the seventh day, he can just cut his hair on the eighth day and bring the karbun. That is not true of a mitzorah. Why? A mitzorah, in order to go to the mikvah, cannot simply wait the amount of days. He must also cut his hair. And that's what we saw in the psukim. In order for the mitzorah to go to the mikvah, he must first cut his hair. So when the mitzorah did not cut his hair on the seventh day and cut his hair on the eighth day, he also cannot go to the mikvah until the eighth day because the mikvah must come after his giluach. He has to go to the mikvah on the eighth day after his giluach. Now he needs to wait for sunset on the eighth day. If he has to wait for sunset on the eighth day, then he can't bring his carbonate until the ninth day. And why is that? That's what Rabbi Kiva says. By a mitzorah, his mikvah is totally begiluach. 
is totally by his cutting his hair, not in the days. And that's the difference. So Rabbi Tarfan asks, why when the Nazir misses his Giluach on the seventh day, he does it on the eighth day and brings his carbonate on the eighth day, whereas the Mitzoru misses his Giluach on the seventh day, does his Giluach on the eighth day and then only brings his carbonate on the ninth day? That's where Rabbi answer. What? Nazir is totally biyomim. Has to do with the dates. It's how many mates. If he goes to the mikvah on the seventh day, he can go to the mikvah before he cuts his hair. So when he cuts his hair, he hasn't caused any delay in his becoming tahar. Whereas by a mitzorah, since the mikvah is totally by giluach, he can't go to the mikvah until he's cut his hair. His delay of cutting his hair from the seventh to the eighth day also delays his mikvah to the eighth day. If he delays his mikvah to the eighth day, then he needs hair of shemesh, he needs the sun to send the eighth day, and he can't bring his carbonate to the ninth day. That's the explanation of the Mishnah according to the Tosos and the Rosh. The Mishnah argues here on the Tosos and the Rosh and says, you know what? A mitzorah on his eighth day, when he goes to the mikvah, does not need hair of shemesh. Why does he not need hair of shemesh? Why does he not need the sun to set already? Because a mitzorah is already tahor from the first day. And Nazir has been served from the first day because he also went to the mikvah on the first day. And he had Erev Shemesh, the sun set on him on his first day. This going to the mikvah over here is just after he cuts the air, he goes to the mikvah. And that's what he's done. He does not need the sun to set on him in order to become tahor. Well, according to the Mephorish then, mitzorah and Nazir are exactly the same. <coughs> right? That... When a so when a nazir misses, <coughs> I'm sorry. When a nazir misses his giluach, then he cuts his hair on the eighth day, and he brings his carbonate on the eighth day. Whereas a mitzoro misses cutting his hair on the seventh day, also cuts his hair on the eighth day, goes to the mikvah on the eighth day, and of course, the first brings his carbonate on the eighth day. So they both have the same din. So what? So then, what is Rabbi Tarfon's question to Rabbi Akiva? Rabbi Tarfon's question to Rabbi Akiva is, how come? How come when the Mitzorah goes to the Mikvah on the eighth day, he doesn't have to wait for the sun to set? How come he can go right after he goes to the Mikvah, he can bring his carbonate? Yet the Nazir, if he missed the Mikvah on the seventh day, and went to, only went to the Mikvah on the eighth day, he would have to wait for the sun to set and only bring his carbonate on the ninth day. So how do you know? <coughs> how do you know that there's a difference? Why is Mikvah different for Mitzorah than Mikvah different for Nazir? And that's the answer of Rabbi Akiva. By a Nazir, the point of going to the mikvah has to do with that he's coming late. It has to do with the days. He's counting to become tahor. If he doesn't go to the mikvah, he's not tahor until he goes to the mikvah and the sun sets on him. That's not true by Mitzorah. The only reason he goes to the mikvah is because he's cutting his hair on that day. On the, on the seventh day, he's cutting his hair. And therefore, he must go to the mikvah. That mikvah is not a mikvah of Tara. The mikvah of Tara already took place on the first day for the Mitzorah. And therefore, even if he goes to the mikvah on the eighth day, he can still bring his carbonate on the eighth day, because the mikvah is not a din in Tara, it's not a din in Yamim to become Tahor, it's a din in Tiglachat. And since the Tiglachat is done on that day, you can go to the mikvah and then bring the carbonate immediately after that. So that's the question according to Rabbi Tarfon, according to the Farsh, and that's Rabbi Kiva's answer to him. Now, <coughs> let's go into the Gemara. The Gemara says, Kibbalimine Yolo. Did Rabbi Tarfon accept Rabbi Akiva's answer to him or not? So Tashma, the Tani Hillel, we have Hillel, it's got to be Hillel Asheni, who was later than the time of Rabbi, later than the time of Mishnah. Gileach Bishmini, because here on the eighth day, may be Bichi, he brings his Karbanot on the ninth day. So first of all, what's the Gemara's proof from here? We have a Bryce that says, if he cuts his hair on the eighth day, he must bring his Karbanot on the ninth day. Are we talking about a Mitzorah? Are we talking about a Nazir? What's the case here? So the Rosh says over here, an interesting thing, he says two statements. The Rosh says, Kim late to the Talmudah, the Gemara knew the Gabi Nazir Matnita. First of all, this Brisa was clearly talking about a Nazir. <coughs> Excuse me, even though it's not explicit in the Brisa, the Gemara clearly knew that this Brisa referred to a Nazir. So now, we know we're talking about a Nazir. So this is a Nazir, 
who cut his hair on the eighth day and only can bring his carbonos on the ninth day. That sounds exactly like, well, that sounds against Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says explicitly in our Mishnah that if he cuts his hair on the eighth day, he can bring his carbonos on the eighth day, not the ninth day. So who could be the author of this position? That must be Rabbi Tarfon. But how do we know it's Rabbi Tarfon after he heard the answer from Rabbi Akiva, not before he heard the answer from Rabbi Akiva? So that's the second statement the Rush says. Kimle, the Achar Mishneh Nishneh. It was clear to the Gemara that this Brisa came after the Mishnah. Because the only way it's evidence or proof that Rabbi Tarvin did not accept the position of Rabbi Giva is if this Brisa was learned after the Mishnah. So simply, the Rosh could have said those two simple statements and says that the Gemara has, or knew, had knowledge that this Brisa was talking about in Azir. Number two is that it came after the Mishnah. But the Rosh adds on a little line at the end. He says, the fish Mishnayot Nishnu All the Mishnayot were learned before the Brisos. Now that is a global statement by the Rush, and it's a pretty big uh, assumption of the Rush, because that's not necessarily the understanding of what a Mishnah or a Brisa is. A Mishnah or a Brisa has to do not with when chronologically they were learned, but how they were canonized. Rebbe went ahead and took together or placed together all the works of Tanayim, and whatever Rebbe codified or canonized, that was called the Mishnah. Then later on, whatever Rebbe and Rebbe Oshia put together, those were called the Brisos, or that which was left out of the Mishnah. But that didn't indicate any chronology. Even though they were canonized or put together at a later time, that didn't determine which Brisa or which Mishnah preceded the other. I mean, it wasn't a decision of chronology. It was a decision of content, what was placed in and what was not placed in. The way the Rush says it, that by definition, a Brisa was always after a Mishnah, was always learned after a Mishnah, which does not necessarily have to be true. And that is a big assumption of the Rush, that he says, the Fisha Mishnayot, Nishnu, Kodama Brisos. All Mishnayot were learned prior to Brito. Right. Be that as it is, or be that as it may be, here the Gemara has a proof here, where it seems to be that Rabbi Tarkon disagrees with Rabbi Kiva, does not agree to the position of Rabbi Akiva. The Gemara says, If you think Rabbi Tarkon accepts the position of Rabbi Kiva, they like Rabbi Kiva says in a Mishnah, on the eighth day, he should be able to be Migalea, he should be able to bring his carbonos on the eighth day, Amarova Lokasha. That's not a question. This we saw. Everybody agreed to that. What? Had the tavol b'shvi? Had the lo tavol b'shvi? No. The problem here was not that he only cut his hair on the eighth day. Not only did he only cut his hair on the eighth day, which he should have done on the seventh day, he also didn't go to the mikvah on the seventh day like he should have, and he ended up going to the mikvah on the eighth day. So not only did he cut his hair on the eighth day, he also went to the mikvah on the eighth day. And we know from Nazir that only goes to the mikvah on the eighth day. He has to wait for Shemesh. He has to wait. Everybody agrees he has to wait for the sun to set on the eighth day. If he has to wait for the sun to set on the eighth day, he can't bring his carbonos to the ninth day. So it's possible that Rabbi Tarpon accepted the position <coughs> of Rabbi Akiva. And the reason in this b'risa that he has to wait till the ninth day has nothing to do with giluach. has nothing to do with that he left over. It's giluach left over. It's setting it there. But he also forgot to go to the mikvah on the seventh day or couldn't go to the mikvah on the seventh day and only went on the eighth day. He's going to the mikvah on the eighth day, which is what delays his carbonos to the ninth day. Not the giluach cutting of his hair. Alright, now, the next sugya, I would say is a, not from a logical standpoint, it's not a difficult sugya, but the end of the sugya is a very difficult to read into the Gemara. So what I'll do is actually two ways to read the Gemara, or the answer to the Gemara, both according to the Mepharesh, or according to the Rosh and the Tosos. I'm going to read the Gemara, or the question of the Gemara, at least according to the Mepharesh first. And when I get to the end of the Gemara, then I'll go back and explain it according to the Tosos and the Rosh, or give you the general pr- purview or review of what they would say the question is here. So I'm Rabbi Ashkechintu Lechavreid, Rabbi Natan Baruchia. I found the Talmidim, or the base Medjush, of Rabbi Natan Baruchia, they were sitting with Yatim Garmin. They were learning. So it says, they're quoting a Pasuk here from Azav. 
it says about a zav when a zav becomes tahor. Now here we're talking about a zav that had three emissions. Zav that had three emissions must wait seven days of tumah, and then on the eighth day he brings his carbonot. He brings his carbonot to the mikdash. So it says over there by the end of the it says suffer lo a zav must count seven days. Clean his clothing. Go to the mikvah with the hair. Then uvayom ashmini on the eighth day. Yikachlo shteitorim shneben and all valifnei Hashem of petachol moed. Now he can bring his carbonot to the petachol moed on the eighth day. So they were quoting this pasuk. This pasuk. Oh baby, each day uvayom ashmini yikachlo shteitorim shneben and all valifnei Hashem. It'll come before Hashem el petachol moed and atnam el kohen and he'll give him to the kohen. That was about a zav. Now they want to infer, or from this they want to infer something. And what is that? When is the Zav permitted to come back in to bring his karbanot? That's only after he's gone to the mikveh on the seventh day. The sun has set on him on the seventh day, and now he brings it on the eighth day. So, in. But it sounds like what? That on the seventh day he can't bring his karbanot. Alma. From this we can see that Kasavar Tvulyom Shalzav Kizav Domi. That if when a Tvulyom, which is a, we saw before, when you go to the Mikvah on the seventh day, there's a slightly reduced form of Tuma that you have because you're permitted to partake in Meister from that point forward. And nevertheless, that's not a, enough of a reduction in the Tuma to allow you to enter the Mikdash. Why is that? Because had it been that you are out at a point, a Zav, let's just start with this, the background, a Zav is not allowed to enter into the Mikdash. So since a Zav cannot enter into the Mikdash, what's preventing him from bringing his Karbanot on the seventh day? The fact that he is a Zav. So why does he bring his Karbanot on the eighth day? Because he's only Tahor from being a Zav on the eighth day. But if you believe that at Tvulyom, the point that he reached Tvulyom and went to the Mikvah, he already was not a full stated, a full, a full status of a Zav, and he could enter the Mikdash, if he entered the Mikdash at that time, then he should have brought his carbonot on the seventh day. Why does the Torah say he must wait until the eighth day to bring his carbonot? That must be because Tvul Yom Shel Zav, even after Zav gone to the Mikvah, because Zav Dami still has a full status Zav. So now, Abayah says back to them, what do you mean? What type of proof is this? I can bring you, I can bring you a case by Nazir. What's the case by a Nazir? A Nazir also has to wait seven days of Tumah. And it brings his carbonos on the eighth day. So when the Nazir is going to bring his carbonos on the eighth day, why is he bringing his carbonos on the eighth day? So based on your inference, based on what you're learning from the Pasuk, that the Zav bringing on the eighth day teaches us on the seventh day he's not permitted to go into the Mikdash. So let's say the same thing by Nazir. And Nazir brings his carbon on the eighth day because he can't enter the Mikdash on the seventh day. Why can't a Nazir enter on the Mikdash on the seventh day? He's coming eight. Oh, wait a minute. Is a Tamei Meis restricted from going into the Mikdash? The answer to that is no! A Tamei Meis can go into the Mikdash. Now look at a Tamei Meis going into the Mikdash. Even a Meis Atzmo. A Meis himself can be in the Mikdash. How do we know that? So that's what Gemara is going to show us in a second. But based on this, the Bible says your inference is a poor inference. Because if you say the whole reason you're bringing it on the eighth day is because you can't enter on the seventh day, that's the Din by Zav, then how are you going to explain Nazir? Nazir brings his carbonos on the eighth day because he can't enter on the seventh day. That's not true. Nazir Tuma can enter on the seventh day, and yet he still has to bring his carbon out on the eighth day. So let's see this question in the Gemara inside. The Gemara says like this: I'm in alone. I said to them, Anna, Elayata, Gabi Nazir, by Nazir Tamei, by Nazir Tamei, it says what? Uva Yamush Mini Yavi, Shteitorim Shnei Beonai. He only brings his carbon out on the eighth day. Alakoyin Al Pedachum Eid. Imatayba. 
is much with Tavalva Sayer of Shemesh. When can the Nazir only come in from the Mikdash? That's only on the eighth day, because he has to wait on the seventh day, he wouldn't be able to enter. He'd have to go to Tvila and Herb Shemesh. Michte, <coughs> let us see. <coughs> Shari Niknor, where does he have to go in to bring his carbonos? The Shari Niknor. And the Shari Niknor are the entrance, the doors that enter into the Ezra Yisrael, past the Ezra Nashim, into the Ezra Yisrael, where the carbonos are brought. Hecha Kayamin, where are they? The doors of Niknor are Bishare Leviyah, the beginning of Ezra Yisrael, which is the equivalent of Machane Levi in the Midbar. And what do we know about Machane Levi in the Midbar? Bahatanya, we have a Braistal, Tame Mace, Mutolikanes Machane Leviya. Someone of Tame Mace can go into Machane Leviya. Below Tame Mace, Bilvad, not only a Tame Mace can enter, Elafil Mace, Atmo, even a dead body itself can enter into Machane Leviya. How do I know this? Shinemar, Vikak Mosheth, Atmo, Yosefi Mo. We're leaving Mitzrayim. What does Moshe do? He takes the bones of Yosef with him. Imo, my Imo, Imo Mechitzato. Moshe travels with the bones of Yosef next to him. And where's Moshe located? Moshe is located in the Machane Levia. And yet he takes the Atmos Yosef with him. So you see that what? The Machane Levia. So he brings the Atmos Yosef, but Tommy makes with him even in the Machane Levia. So based on this, if I says, your inference is a poor inference. I don't necessarily disagree with your din. That what? Atmos Yom Shazav is a Zav. But I disagree about how you are learning that. You're learning that out from the fact that the inference that he can only bring his carbonos on the eighth day. That's why, because otherwise he should bring his carbonos on the seventh day. You can't make that limud because by Nazir we have the exact same setup. He brings his carbonos on the eighth day, despite the fact that on the seventh day he could have entered into the Azara. And yet he still brings his carbonos on the eighth day, so your inference is a poor inference. So then, Ella, so what's the reasoning that he can't go in, or what's the reasoning that you have to wait until the eighth day? <coughs> I agree with you that the din of Tzul Yom Shuzav is like a Zav. The reason that the Zav can't enter or cannot bring his carbon out till the eighth day is because he's lacking Kapara. The lack of Kapara, the lack of bringing carbon out are actually what prevent him from going into low Ayo, prevent him from going into the <coughs> Mikdash. So now, First of all, I'll just mention this, that the Mepharish thinks that this also prevents a Nazir, that even a Nazir, Tamei, cannot enter into the Mikdash. That is disputed by all other Rishonim. But, I'm <coughs> just mentioning it because he mentions it here, the Nazir, the Mepharish says that even a Nazir who's a Mechusar Kabara, lacks Karbanot, cannot enter in the Mikdash because he's a Mechusar Kabara. All other Rishonim believe that only some Tumah that you'll say me Gufo, Tumah that comes out of your body, that's emitted from your body itself, prevents you from going into the Mikdash. But no other Tumah will prevent you from going into the Mikdash, like Tamei Mates. Those won't prevent you from going into the Mikdash. So anyway, If he's standing in the Machane Leviya, Why? If where does he where does he have to bring the carbon? Where does the Zav have to bring his carbon? Does he have to bring his carbon or even the Nazir? Where do they bring their carbon? In the Azara. Petach Ol Moed. Because of Ol Moed, that's the Heichal. That's the Kodesh. Why does the Nazir have to go into the Kodesh? Or why does the Zav have to go into the Kodesh? They don't need to enter the Kodesh. Lamemrat comes to teach you, Just like we know a Mechusar Kabara may not enter the Ol Moed, so too, So too, a Mechusar Kabara may not enter the Ezrat Israel. This jump in the Gemara is not clear. Why the Gemara knows? Just because it says Petach Ol Moed, and where does he bring his carbon out? In the Ezra Yisrael. So just like Petach Olmeid and Chusar Kabar is restricted, so too Ol Moed is where he's restricted. 
It's not clear. I mean, so too the Azara is restricted from going in Mechus Kapara. It's not clear how the Gemara made that mass jump to say that Machin Elavia is also, he can't go in Mechus Kapara. That's the assumption of the Gemara, that since he brings his Karbanot in Machin Elavia, so therefore Mechus Kapara will also be restricted there like he's restricted to going into the Omoe. And how do you know that a Mechusar Kapara can't enter the old Moed, can't enter the Kodesh? That we know from the Psukim by the Paraduma, the Tanya of Abraisa, Tameiyah, the Rabot Tvuyom. The Tamei cannot enter the Tvuyom, may not enter into the Kodesh. O Tumatobo, even when it's Tumatulinim, the Rabot Mechusar Kapara. So we have a specific concept that teaches us that a Mechusar Kapara may not enter, or Tamei may not enter into the Kodesh. So just like he can't, a mechuzar kapara cannot enter into the kodesh, so too he may not enter into the machin leviyah, and that's the reason the zav can't bring his carbon until the eighth day. The zav can't bring his carbon until the eighth day, not because tful um shalzav is like a zav dami, but rather because he's a mechuzar kapara, and mechuzar kapara cannot enter into the machin leviyah until he has brought his carbonot. So once he's brought his carbonot, he's no longer a mechuzar kapara, and then he can enter into machin leviyah. You ask how did he bring his carbonot? The answer is he comes to the doorway of the Azara and then he can stick his hands in. Bia the mixus Bia. But since he's not walking entirely into there, we allow him to do whatever smich or whatever actions he has to do right by the doorway of the Azara. And then the Quran and bring his carbonot. And after the carbonot are brought, he's no longer a mechusar kapara. And there he can partake of kachim or enter into the Mikdash. So that's the, the way the Gemara reads according to, or basically according to the Mepharech. Tosfos and the Rosh dispute this reading of the Gemara, and they actually change the Gemara to read, because the problem is that a Mechuzar Kapara, we said before, of a Nazir, can't enter the Mikdash. The Mechuzar Kapara is only a Din in Zav, and not a Din in Nazir. So we explained the Gemara, we kind of left out that piece of the Mepharish, explained the Gemara, that it's time at Zav, and in the end, Abai is just explaining, why does the Zav have to wait to the eighth day? Because he's a Mechuzar Kapara. It doesn't explain why Nazir has to wait to the eighth day, but it explains why a... Zav has to wait till the eighth day because he's Mechusar Kapara. And you're right, maybe Tulyom Zav is Kazav Dami. But that's not the reason. And we don't learn that inference from the Pesukim to teach you that din or to teach you why you don't go in. Now, the way Tosos and the Rush learn the Gemara, they say no. The question of the Gemara is actually like this. There are two types of Zavim. There's a Zav, what's called Baushteriot, a Zav that has two sightings. There's also a Zav that has three sightings. A Zav that has two sightings waits seven days of Tumat, goes to the mix on the seventh day, and then is, <coughs> goes into the, and then goes to Harab Shemesh, waits for the sunset, is Tahor. A Zav that has three emissions must not only wait seven days, go to the Mitzvah, and wait for Harab Shemesh, he also has to bring Karbanot on the eighth day. So the Gemara's question, or what the students of Rabbi Nath and Baroshia were trying to say is, just like a Zav who has three emissions may not enter the Mikdash until after the sunset, so too a Zav that has two emissions should not be able to enter the Mikdash until he has had the sun set. So Abayi says to him, what do you mean? How do you know? Why should that be true? What's your reference? Your reference point is why? Because <coughs> he brings the carbonot on the eighth day. Since he brings the carbonot on the eighth day, shows you that a Zav cannot enter until the eighth day. Which means that as long as a Zav is still a Zav, even when he's a Tful Yom, he still cannot enter the Mikdash. Because I can prove to you from Nazir that the eighth day doesn't teach you that. Right, so that's what Abayi's question to them is. Abayi asks them, no way, that's not true. That's not true, because by Nazir we have an eighth day, and nevertheless, Nazir is allowed to enter the Mikdash even prior to the eighth day. So your proof that you have to wait till the eighth day to bring the Karbanot is no proof that on the seventh day you're not allowed to go in. So then Abayi answers the Girsa, according to the Gemara here, according to those, according to the Toast of the Marshes, that, Marabayi Tvul Yom Shal Zav, Lav Kizav Dami. 
That's why Yom Azav is not like a Zav, meaning that a Zav who has two Riyot, right, can go into the Mikdash even when he's a Tvul Yom. Ah, but we know by a Zav, our Shlosh Riyot, that he cannot go into the Mikdash. So he can't bring his carbon out to eighth day. That Abayi says, no, that's different. A Zav, a Zav that has three emissions is missing two things. He's missing hair of Shemesh, the sun setting, and he's missing carbonate, mechusere kapara. He has two things, two strikes against it. Not only does he not have sun setting, he doesn't have his carbonate, it's mechusere kapara. And that's what restrictions from, restricts him from entering the Mikdash on the seventh day. But a Zav, a Zav that only has two emissions, he's restricted from entering, he's not restricted from entering the Mikdash. Why? There's only one thing that he has left. That's the sun setting. So a Tzvul Yom of a Zav that is two emissions, may be permitted to enter the Mikdash on the time that he's at Tzvulyom because he only has one strike against him, not two strikes against him. And that's where by his answer to the uh, Talmudim of Renat Meosha. Renat Meosha wants to draw equation between a Zav of three Riyot and a Zav of two Riyot. Just like a Zav of three Riyot can't go in until the eighth day because he needs to wait for sunset, so to a Zav of Shtei Riyot, two missions can't go in until sunset. But it says that's a bad comparison wise because why you what is your proof that he can't go until sunset? That's because he's going to bring his carbon oath on the eighth day. I'll show you that bringing carbon on the eighth day does not tell us when you're permitted to go in from Nazir. Nazir is allowed to bring brings his carbon on the eighth day and still he's allowed to go in on the seventh day. So that's not teaching us anything. Ah so then what's the din? The din according to Abaya is that a Zav of two emissions a Zav of two emissions can go in even after he goes to the mikvah before Herb Shemesh. A Zav of three wheels must wait for her sunset until he can go in. Why is that? Because we don't want to allow you to go in when you have one strike against you, not when you have two strikes against you. That's it. So here, a Zav Ashtayriot, once he reaches Tvulyom, all he has to wait for is Herb Shemesh. Just wait for the sun to set. That's one strike against and now he can enter. Whereas a Zav when he has three emissions, he has two strikes against and not only does he need sunset, he also to bring his Karbanot. So he's a Mechusere Kapara and a Tvulyom. Therefore, that's why he can't enter on the seventh day. And only once he's brought his carbon on the eighth day may he be permitted to enter. All right, we'll stop here.